This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Education Matters, as we take a deeper dive into some of the big issues shaping the education landscape in Ohio. I'm Katie Olmstead, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association, which represents more than 120,000 K-12 teachers, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members in the state. Anyone in the education field knows what happens in the classroom depends in large part on what happens in the state house. And Ohio's lawmakers are currently debating everything from what standardized testing should look like this spring to how to fully and fairly fund all of our schools into the future. Keeping a close eye on all of it is OEA Vice President Jeff Wensing, a high school math teacher who spent 26 years in the classroom in Parma City Schools in Northeast Ohio. He joins us now with a legislative update. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to bring us up to speed on these big bills working their way through the legislature. Let's start with testing and House Bill 67. What is it and what's going on with that? Originally, it was presented to waive state and federally required tests this school year. So we went into it with the philosophy that we've got a lot of schools all over the state that basically are in different forms of uh, instruction. We're bouncing in between face-to-face, remote, hybrid. Some have been face-to-face all year. Some have been remote all year. So the concept was that we're bringing our students back in some instances, and we wanted to focus on teaching and not testing. So we're up against the testing window. So House Bill 67 would have rolled back state tests. It would have uh, requested that the state get a waiver from the federal government so we could uh, continue educating our students and not taking out the time to test. I was a high school math teacher for 26 years. I have delivered many, many, many state tests, proctored tests all the time. There is a couple things wrong with uh, testing. You're looking at giving a one moment in time evaluation to students in order to see how to gauge their body of work over an entire year. I know I have a bad day. Students can have a bad day. It's stressful on teachers. It's even more stressful on students when it's testing season. So uh, here we are. We're in a once in a lifetime uh, situation, a pandemic even if you've been face-to-face all year, it has provided some challenges. So we were, we're looking for some relief when it, when it came to testing. Well, lo and behold, we found out from, from the federal government, uh, from the administration, that testing waivers wouldn't be offered. So House Bill 67 was retooled, uh, was reworked, and represented. So it moved through the House. And currently, it was taken up in the Senate and came out of committee, the Senate committee, uh, and we expect it to be on the Senate floor today for a vote. Currently, it would seek to use some some, uh, graduation requirement relief as it did last year. Uh, It would continue to allow administrators, teachers, counselors to get together and uh, deem if a senior was on track to graduate, then allow that senior to graduate. Further, it would allow juniors and seniors to use the end of course grade in lieu of an end of course exam uh, to satisfy the condition for graduation and a high school diploma. 
one of the things that was amended in by Senator Fetter was uh, it created another pathway to graduation. If a student completed all the required courses and earned an Ohio means jobs readiness seal, they can graduate. And it would exempt uh, schools from administering American history end of course exams. It would also extend some testing windows and require ODE to seek a waiver from federal accountability requirements, how we report. Um, and it would also have the emergency clause that we were so interested in. So let's talk about that emergency clause. What happened with that? Well, as it came out of the House, it was left out, which means that uh, if it were to make its way through the House and the Senate and to the governor's desk and the governor signed it, it would go into effect after 90 days. Well, lo and behold, the school year would be over <laughs> after 90 days from now. So the seniors would be in limbo and not sure how they would uh, meet their requirements for graduation if there was a question about that. So the Senate uh, amended it and put the emergency clause back in. And we're hoping that uh, the Senate will pass it today and it'll make its way through the House and the governor will sign it with that emergency clause. My understanding is House Bill 67 was sort of the last frontier in terms of the stakes attached to this year's standardized testing. Is that correct? Pretty much. You know, we were disappointed that uh, we're going to have to give standardized tests. I've outlined why about the stress and anxiety that it, it causes. And I just want to be clear that classroom teachers aren't, aren't against tests. Teachers probably created tests from, from the best of my knowledge. Uh, we test all the time. In fact, over the last decade or so, we've started to TBT, which stands for teacher-based team, and it's in our contracts, or they're called uh, professional learning communities, PLCs, and teachers get together a couple times a week, and they talk about, uh, like, for example, I'm a uh, math teacher, so we would get together in our Algebra 1 group. And we would talk about uh, how we're going to give a pretest. They call it a formative assessment. We're going to test these kids and we're having this unit coming up and we're going to see how they do. Then we're going to evaluate this, this pretest and then different, differentiate our instruction based on that. And as we make our way through the four or five week cycle, the unit, uh, we share what works best uh, in class with each other to help us grow in our instruction delivery. And then at the end, we give a formative assessment, the usual old test. And then we get together and we analyze that. And we see where our students did well and where some of our students needed to improve. And some teachers did well in some areas and some teachers did well in other areas. And we share what we did in order to get our students to perform well in those areas. So we've invented testing and testing drives instruction. And these are the tests that mean something that were given to students in real time and they drive our instruction. We can differentiate based on our students' needs, not standardized tests where you get the results in the summer and you have no way to react to the results of those tests. And so often those tests are used to punish communities, punish teachers, punish schools. Fortunately, not so much this year, but state report cards are still certainly a, an issue that we're paying attention to. House Bill 200 addresses those. What's that about? House Bill 200 is a bill sponsored by Representative Don Jones and Phil Robinson, and it seeks to repeal and replace the A through F report card that our schools get, our school districts, and our school buildings that many instances are saddled with. 
and it would replace uh, the uh, A through F rating with phrases such as exceeds expectations or meets expectations. So we're happy about the direction that it's going. We're not fully supportive of it at this time. We're happy where it's going. In December of 2019, we have a representative assembly, delegates from all over Ohio that are OEA members. Uh, We get together and uh, actually we passed a new business item that supported uh, a new state report card. And not only were our members interested in repealing the A through F letter grades, they also wanted uh, some indication of opportunities that schools and school districts were giving their students. So they call it an opportunity dashboard. So uh, we would like that included into the final version. We wanna know what opportunities that schools and districts are giving to their students. And we think that's important for parents to know, uh, for students to know. Also, we're interested in removing the value added component. If you're a teacher, you probably know all about value added. If you're a parent, you probably don't know too much about value added. But uh, the value added is like some mysterious score that uh, you take uh, and put into this machine. This, I call it a gonculator. I think I called it in front of uh, the Senate committee when I testified. And it shoots out this uh, number that even an Ohio State mathematician couldn't understand. And you use that to rate a teacher. So uh, I think it's fair when you're educating students that they know how they're going to be evaluated and rated. I think that's fair for teachers too. And this is the value added system is some mysterious system that hardly anybody, if anybody can understand. So House Bill 200 is a good first step and we're going to continue working with the sponsors to strengthen it. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say. Uh, As I said, we were interested in seeing some of those pieces that I mentioned. Uh, It's a good start. Uh, The A through F report card has done really very little uh, in terms of uh, improving education in the state of Ohio. It's a blame and shame game. If you look at the state report card, it generally falls along the lines of uh, wealth. Those districts that are more wealthy get uh, really good grades and those districts that are less wealthy uh, get poor grades. in the A through F system. So a big uh, part of that, of course, is the over-reliance on standardized testing, which as we both know, correlates so much to wealth of a family or of the district in terms of how students tend to do on those. Absolutely. And I think that this pandemic has really highlighted the inequities that we have in our system. Uh, Our students that are in lower wealth communities whether it's uh, black and brown communities or whether it's in rural communities, Appalachia, they really uh, have issues with internet, Wi-Fi connections, and and that all plays a role in going into a overall grade. The grade's not helpful. One thing that sounds helpful that may not be, let's talk about Senate Bill 1. That's a, a financial literacy requirement. And on its surface, requiring some level of financial literacy sounds lofty. It sounds like something our students should have, but you were telling me there are problems with this bill. Yeah, it would require uh, a student to have a half a credit of financial literacy in order to graduate. So on the surface, it seems like a good idea, uh, but it it is just another unfunded mandate that sometimes, uh, many times, our districts have to go through. When you look at uh, a financial literacy course, Um, I think it's well-renowned that it's great if 
uh, some of our students or all of our students have some financial moxie and they understand finance, the financial world. Um, however, if you make it a requirement of graduation, it provides some problems for all districts, uh, especially smaller districts and districts that are uh, strapped for cash. You'd have to train a teacher to do it. If they weren't certified in it, they'd have to get a certification to do it. Uh, you'd have to purchase the curriculum in order to do it. Uh, if you're in a very, very small school system, you might not have that large a pool of uh, educator to choose from that would want to do this. I mean, I, I think research would show that it, it, the best practice would be it's something that I have my heart in. That's where my passion lies. Uh, that's why I want to become that type of teacher. So you might have those struggles when it comes to uh, implementing a financial literacy credit statewide. Like so many things, the funding is a major obstacle. And so one of the big things we're talking about this year, especially, is how we fairly and fully fund all of Ohio schools. It's all getting wrapped up, hopefully, into House Bill 110. What is going on with that? Well, I think you've had some guests on your show before that talked about House Bill 1, which is the Fair School Funding Plan, uh, which would uh, provide another $2 billion approximately once phased in over the six years that is projected to do so. But there are some other aspects of the bill, which is House Bill 110, the budget bill, that we would like to see. Not only would we like to see House Bill 1, the Fair School Funding plan rolled into the budget bill, there are other items such as student wellness and success funds. We have a little small issue with that. Uh, we're very grateful that over the next two years, each of the next two years, another $100 million will go into the student success and wellness funds in each of the next year. So we're looking at maybe $450 million next year and somewhere around $550 million the following year. So that's nice. Uh, however, the problem is that some of the things have been removed that you can spend that on. And one of the two of the things, actually, one is cultural competency training, as well as trauma informed care. So those have been removed from the list. We would like to see those re added to the list as uh, potential expense items for that money. Um, we believe that these dollars can be used to address the learning needs of our increasingly diverse student population, and we think that's important. What, uh, what exactly are the cultural competency and trauma-informed care? What are those? Cultural competency, uh, we have to know our, our students uh, and where they come from. Our students come from many different backgrounds, and educators have to know uh, about their students and their backgrounds. We need training. I don't care if you drive a bus, if you work in the cafeteria, if you're a school secretary, uh, if you're a custodian, if you're a classroom teacher, you are going to interact with students on a daily basis and you have to know what our students are dealing with and where they're coming from, coming into our buildings, coming, coming into our schools, into our classrooms. Also, when you're talking about trauma-informed care, we have mental health issues in our society, especially during this pandemic. Uh, we're dealing with depression issues. We're dealing with loneliness. I think it's safe to say that adults are going through it and students are going through it. So uh, we have to be able to deal with those types of needs before you can make your connections with your students as they walk through the doors of your school. Would House Bill 1 provide funding to do some of these things? Is that something that 
the fair school funding plan would envelop in some way? Absolutely. Um, I mentioned uh, the success and wellness dollars in the uh, fair school funding plan, which is House Bill 1. Uh, it is included in the fair school funding model. And I think there's an additional $50 million provided by the fair school funding plan for, for uh, student success and wellness. For those who are not familiar with the fair school funding plan, the big issues those are meant to address are the adequacy and equity issues that affect how all Ohio students are set up for success. There is an unconstitutional over-reliance on property wealth in any community to determine how much funding any individual student gets. How hopeful are you that we can finally achieve this fix? Very hopeful. Uh, Having talked to members on both sides of the aisle, it's a bipartisan effort. I believe that many of our legislators, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, acknowledge that our our funding system for schools has been unconstitutional and uh, we we need to do better in Ohio for our students. So I'm very hopeful that this will get done. Um, And like I said, I believe the vehicle will be getting it through the House and placing it into uh, the budget bill. And then on to the Senate. And then pass it. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Jeff, thank you so much for sharing all the information. And thank you for your continued work on behalf of all of Ohio's kids. Oh, thank you for having me, Katie. And uh, I've enjoyed this. Let's do it again sometime. We will always have more legislative updates to talk about. You know it. Thank you. For the latest on all of the legislative issues impacting Ohio schools and to hear from some of our amazing members, make sure you subscribe or follow Education Matters on your favorite podcast platform. And give the Ohio Education Association a follow on social media. We're at OhioEA on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode or what you'd like to hear in the future, send me an email at educationmatters@ohea.org. Next week, we're sitting down with a retired teacher who was a longtime testing coordinator for her schools. You won't want to miss some of her hilarious horror stories about the standardized testing bloopers over the years. Until then, stay well. Stay well.